0: Maximize your sense of aliveness. Gain new perspectives on health, your body, and the meaning of life. You can control your physiology and how you feel in your body in this moment. Your life will never be the same. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page.
1: So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we had a special request tonight uh, for a special topic, so we'll get there eventually, But I always start with kind of the same uh, introduction. So it's nice because most of you won't have heard it before. Uh, First off, foremost, I have to tell you what we do here at the Yoga Barn, kind of what my job is. The other time when I'm not in this room giving this lecture, which is my favorite part of my job, I'm guiding the three-day and the seven-day fast programs here at the Yoga Barn. And we have a three-day cleanse program. Proud cleansers, right yeah, they just started today. They're amazing and big smiles. And we also have a seven-day detox retreat that we run once a month. And that's a very inclusive program. It's community-oriented. Um, it's kind of like the yoga barn comes to you. And so lots of, lots of different ways to explore the body yeah, and explore energy. That's what we'll be talking about tonight a little bit is energy. And what is this? What is energy in the human body? All right, so... Before we go anywhere too far, a few things to tell you. First of all, my own biases. I think it's really important that someone who's giving a public speech, any kind of person who can speak for like 30, 40 minutes, probably has some opinions. So I choose to tell you mine right up front, so that there's no cards hidden here. Uh, I come from the school of thought of something called natural hygiene. And natural hygiene is really the foundation, the roots of natural medicine. Natural medicine in the world today is institutionalized through naturopathy, and I've just recently finished my doctorate in naturopathic medicine. So natural hygiene, however, is something that was really popular. It came originally from India, from something called Nature Cure. It swept through Europe in the 1800s, and eventually came over to the United States in the late 1800s and early 1900s, where natural hygiene got its name. And what it is is it's a return to all things Natural, yeah, which is a really cool concept if you think about it. I was I was driving here on my motorbike and I was passing different people, you know, tons of tourists in Ubud and I was like looking and like everyone has a really bright color on their toes. right? Stuff like that, like toenail polish, fingernail polish, things like that. We've gone so far away from any instance of natural, but still there's this idea that natural is beautiful, right? There's beauty, natural beauty. And so what do we have? We have something like the French manicure, you know, the French manicure, where you paint your nails to look like they're natural, healthy nails. You know what I'm talking about? I have a French manicure. (laughs) There's no nail polish though, right, natural, healthy nails. And so that's something that I don't normally talk about, and I kind of wanted to start on that note to to challenge you. I haven't used nail polish in since 2007, so how many years is that, like eight years or something? so next time you're putting nail polish on, smell it, say, wow, is this something that I want to carry around with me, right, on my body for a while? You can actually breathe through your nail tissue, believe it or not, right? And so that's just a little thought process to put you under to start to think about natural things. Right? I also put on a little bit of makeup tonight, but it's all made out of fruit. That's pretty cool. You can smell my eyelashes. They smell like blackberries. Yeah, 100% pure. It's a makeup company out of the States. I don't own any stock. I want to. But yeah. So you can check that out later for the females at least. Or the males, that would be a good present. So just to get you starting to think about what natural means. Because we don't really know in the world of today. right? We have the elements. Have you heard of the elements? Things like water, fire, earth. What's the last one? Yeah, air. There we go. And then in certain kinds of... Like Chinese medicine, we have wood, and we have metal, different interpretations of these four elements. And so really, what natural medicine is in its essence is a return to these elements, returning to balancing them out. More than anything, natural medicine understands the thesis, the core understanding of natural medicine, is that the body has the full capability and full capacity to heal itself. I'll say that again, because that's not something that people tell you every day. Your body has full capacity to heal itself. It just has to be allowed time and space to do so. And So that's really powerful. And you might think, well, what is that time and space to heal the body? The detox uh, department employees are back here. in They're, They're giving their bodies time and space to heal. And turning everything upside down, that's a really wonderful pose. It's actually my favorite asana. I encourage you, you can all do it during the lecture. I'm not partial either way if you want to lay down or yeah, sit up. But anyway, coming back to the idea that the body has the ability to heal itself. All it needs is a bit of a break. Okay. And so I already told you that the programs we run here are fasting programs. And the reason that we run fasting programs is because fasting is one of the most powerful ways to give that body the break it needs. Because if you think about your digestive tract, and the fasters in here know, that the digestive tract itself can take up to 70% of all available energy at any one time. And you know this, you felt this, right, after a big meal, a big holiday meal. How do you feel? Kind of sleepy. You're exposed to North American culture. There's the big Thanksgiving meal, right? And afterwards, everyone falls asleep. They blame it on the tryptophan from the turkey, but it's actually the huge combination of foods that's such an abomination to the stomach. Right? The digestive tract has to work so hard to start to comprehend what all of that was, right? And so that up to seventy percent of energy is taken away from the body, right? From your natural sense of vitality. Okay, so. Just a thought, we'll come back to that. To expose the rest of my biases, I have a Master's of Science in something called Ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and plants, and my specialty is gastroethnobotany, studying people and food plants, right, what kind of plants they eat, right?
0: Moreover,
1: welcome, come on in, get a bolster, close the door behind you, thank you. Moreover, from there, uh, I'm an iridologist, a career colon hydrotherapist, so I look at this side of the body, that's really super important, not many people are talking about poo, but I find it's really super important to talk about poo, right? that's a natural, whole, holistic way of viewing health, right? and our poop actually has a lot to tell us about how healthy we are or aren't, yeah. so maybe we'll get to that too, we'll see where our lecture takes us. Um, But yeah, those are my biases, right, very strong, rooted in natural medicine, all right. From there, the theme, the intention in what I try to do in these classes is help people start to reconceptualize this idea of health, right, what is health? Well, often, culturally, we define it as absence of disease, right. You're healthy because you're not sick. You're not sick, so you're healthy. Someone says, at least I have my health, I'm not sick. But wait a minute, my question is, isn't there more to life? My aim is to kind of raise the bar on health, whereby health isn't merely defined as absence of disease, rather, it's defined as living with maximum vitality. Remember back to a time when you were like four or five years old, what would you do? You would wake up in the morning and be so excited a new day has come. Right? All the different things you get to do. Maybe you would jump out of bed and go and wake your parents up and say, let's play. Right? Let's start the day. When was the last time you felt like that? When was the last time you had life force running through your veins? That's a rhetorical question, although I encourage you to continue to think about it as this evening continues. Yeah. Because that is health. Eventually, the small child starts to eat so many things that bog down his system, right? He's exposed to, of course, the stresses of life, interpersonal stresses, right? Stresses of living in a city, XYZ, whatever. And over time, it's a little depressed and over time, a little decrepit and frail and ages, right? This kind of thing. And that tends to be associated with energy decline. Right? But I'm here to tell you that actually, This vitality, this inherent aliveness inside of you, is your birthright. That you were born to be with it your entire life. So thankfully today a lot of practices have come into our life to help reconnect to it and rediscover that vitality. So really, raising the bar on health, rather than saying, perhaps, you know, I'm not sick so I'm healthy actually feeling really good, yeah? And so we talk about a lot of different topics in these Monday night talks. Um, my goal a lot of times is to help people start to interpret the messages, the signals from their body, right? Things like a headache. Who's ever had a headache? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, a headache is telling you a few things. It's telling you perhaps you haven't pooped in a while. It's telling you perhaps the fluids in your body are quite imbalanced Allah, you're dehydrated, right? It's telling you perhaps there's some hormonal imbalance or some auxiliary thing going on. There could be nerve impairment anywhere around your spinal area, etc. 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 But it's telling you something. However, instead of listening to that message from the body, what do we do? We go and pop a pill, right? Just make sure it goes away. So natural health, is coming back to being an ally with your body. It's coming back to start to listen to your body, yeah, and figure out what your body is telling you, because it's been far too long that we've disempowered ourselves, simply giving our health away to the doctor, to the medical profession at large. And you come home from the doctor, and someone says, oh, what did the doc say? As if you, who's been living in this body for, 20, 30, 40, no one's too old in this room, years, right? As if you know nothing about what's going on in this vessel. So what I intend to do is almost write an instructional manual upon the body so that we can start to get back on the same team because your body is like a Ferrari or a Maserati or a Lamborghini or any other of your favorite vehicles or special expensive things, right? And this is the vehicle that you're driving, or your spirit, is driving through life. You only have one, this race, around. And if you want to have a good drive, you best take care of it. Just like you would that Lamborghini, or that Maserati. Probably the first thing you do when you get that car is read the user manual. So, it's a little bit of the introduction of the intention for this evening. Um, when we look at raising the bar on health, something that's essential to understanding is a reconnection to our body. Yeah? Because people are so overly disconnected to the body, right? They don't know when they're feeling sick. Because guess what? Sickness, illness, is such a normal part of human life today. And I'm not talking like the cold or the flu. I'm talking about things like mild inflammation. Right? Mild autoimmune conditions. Right? Bloating, right? a general lingering headache always there, not knowing what it's like to feel clear, etc, etc, etc. And a lot of the reason for this is because we are so overly exposed to chemical input today. In the 21st century world, right, we're breathing in, we're taking in through our nose, right, our face, our skin, our mouth, our food, so many chemicals, right? Natural and unnatural, that our body is simply bombarded and overwhelmed by processing all of these things, For example, the modern human meal today, it has more than 50 ingredients in it. If you count every little thing in the sauces, and each one of those ingredients is very much a chemical signal to the body whereby the body has to process it and try to understand it and eventually, I mean up to 50 ingredients the body says huh, huh, what, 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 What? What?" and eventually it just gets overwhelmed, it just gets to be a bit too much, and so this, like many other things, can result in indigestion, yeah, and symptoms of indigestion are like burping, farting, bloating, acid reflux, yeah, who's ever had one of those? Diarrhea, constipation, right? should, should I go on? Because I think everyone's hands should be up. Right? Somehow these machines of our bodies are no longer working as well as they could be. Right? Just like that Maserati, you would definitely feed it premium fuel and you wouldn't mix premium fuel with the like shitty stuff, right? You would make sure to give it pure. And so, a, remove, a a return, actually, to natural foods is definitely a part of health, yeah? Who eats things in packages? You know, you eat packaged things with, like, tons of ingredients on the back. How do you think your body responds to that? Come on. Guess for me. It's not happy. It's not happy. I love that. That was so compassionate. It's not happy. Your body's not really happy, right? When you give it things made in the laboratory, the body says, hey, I'm not a laboratory. You need a laboratory to dissect that. When you give it things made by the greatest chef known to man, her name is Mother, Mother Earth, she presents to you food that has within it everything it needs to digest itself, And inside of your body, it passes through the body quite quickly. And it allows you to have more energy than to expend. Because the thing is, connecting the dots now, that more than 50 ingredient modern meal, that's actually going to require a lot of energy to digestion. Right? And that up to 70% of energy, it's reflected by blood flow. And if the blood is flowing from all different parts of the body toward the digestive tract, you better bet it's flowing away from your skeletal muscles on your arms and legs, making you weaker. You better bet it's flowing down from your brain, making you not as sharp, right? et Etc. 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 And so when we can learn to actually maximize the blood flow and thus the energy use in the body, we can start to have a little teeny bit of that energy that the six-year-old did when they jumped out of bed and said, Hey mom, let's start the day. Happy Mother's Day. Right? Okay? So Talking now, going into talking about energy, one of the best ways to reconnect to your inner source of vitality is actually through fasting. Now, that might be a bit counterintuitive to most of you because who's heard the old adage, food is fuel? Food is fuel. You need need food to fuel up, to go farther. Are, Are you guys just the North Americans? I'm trying to figure out if that's a North American. No? Yes? Is there another one that comes from Europe or Australia that I should know? Yeah. Oh, you guys are Australian and you know that? You don't know know Okay, okay, good. Okay. Okay, so I'll figure that out in my off time. But yes, food is fuel, okay? This is the concept that we need to eat, right, in order to have energy. So who here has been like, oh, I feel so bad for myself, I haven't eaten anything today. One day in their life, yeah? We've all been there, right? That self-pity, that fear, right? We're so overly addicted to eating, whereas the truth of the matter is actually that our body, and over millennia, has been programmed to go through cycles of feast and famine, and feast and famine. But what do we have today? Feast, Feast only. The famine never comes. Until the oil runs out and there's no more grocery store. But that's another topic, right? That's my self-farming lecture, all right? Anyway, so when we look at the world of today, our body actually never gets a break. The digestive tract, right? If you think of it as like an employee of a business, the business of your body, this is an employee, and you're requiring it to work all day, every day. And imagine you, does anyone have a nine-to-five job? Yeah, like no one, that always happens. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That always happens. Welcome to Bali. (laughs) No one has a 9-to-5 job. Can you imagine if you did have a 9-to-5 job? Okay, just imagine that. If you were asked to work all day, every day, no vacation time, no weekends, how would you turn out? Right, after a few months or a few years or a few decades, how would you be? Broken down, exhausted. Give me some more words. Over it. Over it. Uh, angry, yes. Stressed, right? Overworked, all right? I love that angry. That's fire in terms of elements, right? Yeah, well, guess what? All of those symptoms like burping, right? acid reflux, farting, floating, right? indigestion in general constipation, diarrhea, those are all the symptoms that you've just mentioned from this one part of your body that has to work all day, every day, almost your entire life, okay? And so that's why fasting is such a humongously, tremendous, important part of giving the body a break, a rest, because then what happens when we stop taking in solid fibrous matter is that that up to 70% of energy gets to be redirected to healing and cleansing at a cellular level. And that's powerful. That up to 70% of energy that's not going to digestion after you've been fasting for the minimum of three days required to allow the digestive tract to shut off completely. After that, that's what goes to actually giving you more energy than you would normally have. And So this is quite contrary to that idea of food as fuel. Yeah, I always say on day 17 of a fast, I could feel like I would run a marathon. That much energy, vitality, life force. Yeah, and the traditional natural hygienists did it.
0: Arnold Airhead, on day
1: 49 of a water fast, that means taking in nothing but water, right? He climbed a tremendous mountain just to show that this inner life force of vitality exists. And it's accessible to all of us, and it's our birthright. So when we come into talking about this in an applicable form for you, of course fasting is something you could start experimenting with as soon as tomorrow. It's really about starting to discover, uncover, dust off the practices, the semi-ancient practices that are available to us today, right? Things like qigong, tai chi, Yoga, right? tantra, kundalini, all of these arts and sciences that involve connecting back into our vital life force energy. We're here at a yoga studio. I'm a yoga teacher and teacher training. I have a teacher training going on right now. And in yoga, we, we call it prana, prana. Say that word, prana. 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 It's kind of fun. Prana. Yeah? This is vital life force energy. This is something that dwells in the body. This is something that can enter through our breath. So ready, to take a deep breath. Relax. Do you feel a little more alive than you did before that? I do. This is changing my voice, actually. So prana can enter through the breath. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to pranayama, the class that teaches you about how to... Control and use that vital life force energy to your benefit. That's at Thursday at 1 p.m. in the lower studios. Good little plug for that. Try it out, right? These are the subtle energy forms. These are the ways that we start to become superhuman in our human lifetime. Yeah? Superman, Batman, they all exist. Right? And what were they? They were just people. Right? And you can become the next superhuman as well. Right? This is in yoga what we call rishis. These are the yogic powers and they're accessible to all of us, we just have to first read the user manual and then start practicing, okay? And so I want this to be um, a little more applicable to you guys, unfortunately I can't fast forward in time and immediately put you on a fast and then we'll all come back on like day six of the fast and you'll be like, oh my god, I feel so good, oh my god, I feel better than normal, I can think, I can read, I can do things, I feel super. That's maybe how you would feel on a six-day fast. Okay. So what we're going to do now is just begin to stir up the energy a little bit in your body so that you can feel it on a tangible level. All right. So everyone, first look at me, and then I'll have you close your eyes. What we're going to be doing is shaking out through the hands, just like this. All right, And like really shaking out through the hands. We're going to do this for a while. All right, And then after that, so you can shake out or you can <laughs> stay still, we're going to go like that. Okay. So close your eyes. Shake out through the hands. Notice the breath. We're just flicking our wrists, shaking through the wrists, flicking out the fingertips. Essentially what we're doing is bringing blood flow to the hands. And we're awakening krana, life force energy, through the meridians running up and down the arms. And the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet are places where we have chakras, or energy connection points. And this is energy the same as you know it, right? That we know in physics, like heat. So slowly, gently, when you're ready, bring your hands to face one another, palms across from each other, and just begin to feel any resistance or magnetism between them. Perhaps you can spread your hands out a little bit, and then gently, slowly push them together. like, you can spread them out even farther and then push in a little bit, feel the resistance and keep that energetic connection alive. If you'd like, you can bring one hand forward, one hand backward and feel the presence and absence of the opposite hand. This is prana, this is vital life force energy you doubt it or if your mind's coming in the way or if you don't feel anything at all, simply just shake out through the hands again, no problem. Just a little bit and then come back to facing one another. The eyes close so that you're in the sense of feeling more than seeing. And become delicate with this energetic field. This is prana. Holding it. Notice what's changed since you've brought your awareness to this. Coming down out of the mind and into the body, into the unstoppable, endless, infinite perceptibility of our being. We have little sensors all over this physical vehicle. It's like a car with a really good car alarm.
0: But we don't often use
1: them. So slowly and gently, when you're ready, place one hand atop another, below the belly button, above the pubic bone. This is Swadhisthana Chakra. Swa means one's own. Stan means place, kind of like Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan. So swadhi, Sanna shakra is one's own place. Translates from Sanskrit. This is an energetic field right here that we're touching. It's the womb, it's the place that we come from, and it's the place that we reconnect into in terms of rediscovering our vital life force energy. And so just go clockwise three times and rub your hands on this area, sealing in that energy that we awakened. Hold the hands in the centre, take a deep breath. And exhale out the mouth. Ah. Good. Just relax your arms. Take a moment of silence to process that experience. You can open your eyes. Okay, so, just a quick show of hands if you felt something. No right or wrong. Okay, so only the people in the front row. Cool. Must be near me. <laughs> now, if you didn't, we can talk after class. Right? But this is awakening. Actually, the first time I did this ever was in a, a Tai workshop um, years ago in India. And that day, I knew it would change my life, change my entire perspective on life. Since then, I've done extended water fasts, up to a month of not eating anything, drinking only water. And through that period, I realized, wow, this is me. Actually, I can live off of this. So you have completely unforeseeable feats that have been practiced by yogis. There's a sage in India who hasn't eaten in 70 years either eaten or drunk, has been put under rigorous laboratory testing, observed for weeks on end, right, in an isolated room and they just can't figure out what's going on. And so when we start to tap into the energetic sphere, right, things beyond science, because science is just our way of perceiving the world, right, through this mathematical equation, and it's a great way the scientific process is an amazing, amazing achievement of humans to try to figure things out, but it has its limits, right? And we're trying to figure out the sphere of the universe using this one human tool. And any good scientist will tell you that science outgrows itself about every 10 years. And what we think we're sure about now, it's probably going to be wrong in the future, right? The world was once flat, you know? And so... By coming to understand that there are actually other ways of perceiving the universe,
0: it's
1: a really powerful recognition that this energy that's running through us could have a little bit to do with it. And tapping back into that energy, learning how to feed on that rather than external energy, could be a gateway to freedom. First it takes trust, trusting that your body can survive. Most of it's in the mind. And then it takes actual practice, practices, right? Things like Qigong or yoga or Tai Chi or whatever your practice is to reconnect more and more into this field of energy because it's circulating inside of you. You can build it up within you. It doesn't necessarily require input. Now I'm not saying that food is useless, I'm definitely not saying become a breatharian. Yeah, I eat, I've been eaten today, right? But the more simply that I eat, the faster digesting foods that I consume, the more energy my body has to give to me rather than to take by my digestive tract, right? The clearer I am to be able to connect into the energy force that's running inside of me and connecting me to all of you and all of everything that exists. Yeah, so this energy is something known worldwide, right? We call it prana, as I said in yoga. Right? In Japanese, it's called ki. Have you heard reiki? I'm using that vital life force energy. Again, chi or ji in different Chinese arts, right? mana. Right? It has so many names worldwide. Every culture on earth has a concept that there's energy running through the human body. You can even think of this as a certain kind of electricity. And so really connecting back into this as our primary fuel source is one of the most powerful decisions that we as modern human beings could ever make. Because by insisting that, oh, I haven't eaten today, poor me, or I need food because I haven't eaten in four hours, This is inherently disempowering by its nature. Because really, we're giving away the essence. Whereas if we could reconnect into belief in ourselves and connection to that vital life force energy, then we realize that we don't need anything. Sure, some calories might help every now and then. They'll definitely give you a perk. Raise your blood sugar, etc., etc., etc. The physiology goes on. But this primary source of energy is primary, it's first, okay? And so I wanna spend the rest of the five minutes that I have to talk before I open it up to questions about talking about the other side of this. Because the other side of this is what we, as modern humans, do all the time. We take in external stimulants, all right? So who drinks coffee, Red Bull, Soda Pop? Should I go on? Um, What are other things? Energy drinks? Yeah. So some hands went up, yeah. All right, and you, my, many of you probably drink it because you need to stay awake and alert and active for your job. Oh, wait, you guys don't have jobs. I mean, you have to stay awake and alert and active in your life. That one guy in the back has a job. Yeah? So that's a lot of the reason that people drink coffee today. And And by definition, and my understanding... This kind of external stimulant that you rely upon for something, like energy, right, caffeine stimulus that's the definition of a drug. Right? And so coffee, along with things like white sugar, these are the most dealt, under-regulated, right, socially normal drugs available in the world today. Yeah. Whereas alternatives that can make us feel the same way, a backbend in yoga, Right, backbend way better than a cup of coffee to wake you up and give you energy. Yeah? Certain things like coming way better to increase circulation to the brain right? and reconnect you into that vital life force energy. Right? Certain other practices, right? It goes on and on. The list goes on. Giving. I have a lot of clients who tell me that giving an enema administering themselves water into the large intestine and then pooping they come back and they're like that's better than a cup of coffee right? I feel great <laughs> right? things like that this can be a natural alternative to start to align your life and your being with this internal source of fuel yeah? it's like the fact that solar powered cars or like what can we say electric cars i guess all of those still come from an external source of energy like a self-pushed car right this is much more sustainable than the car that needs petroleum right just like us when we can start to tap into our own inherent endless boundless reserve of energy we tend to be much more sustainable and energetic than always requiring an external stimulant. Yeah. Moreover, as soon as we take the external stimulant, something like coffee, we just completely disempowered and suppressed our own internal vital life force energy. Because we've said, uh-uh, I don't need it from you, second chakra. I got it right here in a cup. <laughs> and the smelly brown stuff. Right? And so all of a sudden, the tables are turned. And the same thing goes really, I'll just put a side note here because we started with natural medicine. I'll finish on that note. The same thing goes with any kind of really medication that you take in the body. Any kind of chemical signaling that's happening from perhaps a pill, allopathic pill that's been made outside of you, telling your body to do something or producing certain chemicals that trick your body into believing that some process has occurred. One of my favorite Uh, examples is like hormone replacement therapy, yeah, something like that where you're taking hormones externally what do you think is going to happen to the chemical signaling in your body when you're taking it externally it's going to stop producing it because it's getting it from somewhere else and so even though those pills might make you feel good at first because it feels like things are balanced out, what those pills are actually doing is creating a greater and a greater and a greater imbalance disconnecting you from a healthy natural balance of how things should be in the body does that make sense and so i I bring it back to fasting really because fasting that break that vacation right just like you guys if you've worked a crazy hectic work week you better bet vacation is all you need to rejuvenate and reboot and so that vacation for your body is what allows time to balance out. And, and really, hormonal imbalances, right? Other imbalances, if they have to do with the heart, the cardiovascular system, right? High blood pressure, things like this balance in a matter of days, weeks, one fasting. Because the body can heal itself. And the last thing I'll say about the external application that we're using so much of today, right, I started by talking about makeup and nail polish and things like that, right, is things like shampoo. I wash my hair once a month, if that, yeah? The guys are like, so what? The girls are like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And that's because what happens when we shampoo, especially if we're using chemical, like, look at the back of your shampoo bottle. right? horribly densely chemical shampoos right, with ingredients that are inherently toxic right, and we're putting them into our sensitive scalp right, massaging them in as well getting them right in there I'm really smelling them, having them wash down over our pores definitely being absorbed right? I'll stop there though when we put on shampoo what's happening is that we're actually taking away the natural oils from the scalp right? and we're telling the scalp hey You don't need to continue producing these natural oils, okay? But then when the shampoo leaves, the scalp's left really dry because all the oils have been taken away, right? So we're in a deficit. So immediately the body answers and says, I have to start to balance myself out. The body always wants to heal itself. And so it starts to produce even more and more and more oils. So your hair gets oily. What do you do? You shampoo your hair again using that same horrible chemical ripping stuff. And we go through the same process. And over time, the hair gets oilier and oilier, right? And you need to wash it more and more and more, When indeed, if you just held off for a little bit, there would be a natural balance that would happen in the body. And you would find that your hair is actually able to manage and maintain itself. And that's magic. So for those of you who want to start experimenting with this, the way to go about it is if you wash your hair every day, start every other day. And you'll manage it. The first week, maybe you'll need to wear bandanas and like hats and things like that on the off days, right? On the second week, you'll find that things have balanced out a little bit more, right, after some time, maybe then start washing it every two days, right? And then start washing it every three days and incrementally work and you'll start to see, right? I had a roommate, one of my best friends, right? She's in public health, very allopathic medicine-oriented. We have lots of differings and opinions, but we're still so deeply close in our human connection. She never believed me. We were living together in Bangladesh. Right? And she never believed me. She's like, really? You wash your hair that infrequently? Until she started trying it. Right? And she didn't tell me until years later. But then she was like, hey, look, I can wash my hair once every week. And I'm like, every two weeks, something like that. So sweet. And so this is one of the things. Like anything I say, don't believe me. Verify me. Yeah? Test these things, things out on your own. One of the best gifts I could ever give to anyone is the encouragement to start to become a scientist in the laboratory of your human body. Because guess what? Science hasn't done such a good job at entering the human living, breathing body, especially the digestive tract. Because the moment we take the human body into the science laboratory and slice it open, it's no longer living, breathing, digesting as it would be normally. Does that make sense? And so the best test and research subject that you could ever have is yourself, yourself. And so start doing experiments. Start asking questions, start reconnecting. Start asking yourself what is natural, Do research, keep in touch with me, ask me questions, right? Pose perplexing things of thought to me and the conversation can always continue. So I've left quite a bit of time tonight for questions, which is good. Does anyone have any questions um, about anything I've said first and foremost, or about anything else that you're curious about, or other ideas of well, how can you make this natural? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I wish to was all so thank you. Uh, thank you. Um fasting. Uh, so I haven't done much fasting in recent life. When I experimented with it earlier on, I found like that I was experiencing sort of like rubber band where mm-hmm. I would have you know, sort of intense fast experiences, I would experience energetically what you're describing, and then coming off of the fast, I would almost like redo all of like the damage whatever just by like, all, like start eating things, and I, it felt like too slingshotty. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if until my answers didn't just seek out a more balanced diet all of the days. I guess can you speak a little bit to like balance and how fast. Yeah.
1: I love that, yeah, brilliant, beautiful question. So I'm going to make you think about this and critically think to find the answer. If I wanted to create some kind of smoothness or balance between two levels like this, we could think of everyday life, maybe binge eating and fasting, what would I do to create some smoothness between them? All right, I'm talking geometry here. Transition. I love that word. Transition. Right? It would look like a diagonal line in the world of geometry between these two levels. And this diagonal line is often what I call a ramp. Right? And I always, I give lectures on fasting and I try to tell people the total instructional manual on how to fast on your own. You can come back another week if you're interested in that. Uh, But in general, fasting is something that we really have to ease into and ease out of. As I already said, fasting is half in the mind, so we have to find some balance in the mind as well. But the importance of easing in and easing out is the importance of treating your body well and responsibly. And so in easing in and easing out of a fast, what you're going to look like is perhaps you're fasting for, give me a number of days. Huh? Anyone? Ten days. Ten days. Love it. So you're going to take a ten day, maybe a juice fast, all right, where you're only having and water, if you want to have coconut water or herbal tea, fine, it's up to you, but fresh pressed green juice, water, that's what's necessary, 10 day fast, awesome, you'll thrive actually on something like that, All right? and if you take that 10 days, it's going to be absolutely so important that you transition in and out of it to give the body an easy time rather than this rubber band or slingshot that you're describing, and so the formula is that you take half of the length of the fast, in a case of 10 days, what's half of it? Glad you're still awake. Some of you, five. <laughs> Thank you. Five days, and you'll put that before and after the plateau that is the fast. All right. So that means that five days before you start your juice fast, you're going to immediately start simplifying your diet. So immediately you're going to pu- cut out all processed foods. All right. That's maybe day five. Day four, you're going to start to cut out well, or, and also on day five, start to cut out all stimulants, so things like coffee. Alcohol, right? those energy drinks, soft drinks, things that are so inherently imbalancing to the human body. Right? Day four, maybe you'll cut out any kind of animal products. Right? Day three, it's going to look like a vegetarian or a vegan diet. Right? Day two, you're going to start to really simplify that, start to eat a lot more only fruits and vegetables. Right? Maybe cooked is okay. And then the day before the fast, you're only going to eat fruits and vegetables in their natural state, uncooked. And then gently you're going to ease on to the fast. And then coming off the fast, quite often people don't want to go back to what they were doing before because they re-tapped in to an inner source of vitality that's going to be so clear that as soon as they eat something that was fine on them before, they couldn't tell it effect. but they eat something and all of a sudden all of their energy is drained. They feel it so much more clearly because they're that much more attuned to their inner vitality. Okay. And so coming off the fast, you're essentially going to design a ramp that looks like the inverse of the ramp coming up. So you break the fast with one simple kind of ripe fruit, right? You go on that day really only eating fruits and vegetables in the natural state, raw, right? Really simple. Day two, you're going to still eat fruits and vegetables pretty much. Day three, you're going to stay on like a vegan diet, eating really simply. The minute you add processed foods like oil, and salt, you're going to feel it, I promise, because these processed foods have a deep effect on the body, and I probably just threw some of you out of the water, because you're like, oil? But olive oil is so good for you. Right? Anyone thinking that? <laughs> yeah? We're programmed to think a lot of those things, but oil is actually a processed food. It's not a whole food. It's 100% fat. Right? The olive is the whole food. That's something important to realize, because that's one of the biggest processed foods that humans eat today. Anyway... Day four, right, you're going to start to simplify, make sure you're like whole foods based still. Day five, maybe you're not going to want to add back in the coffee and the energy drinks and the soda pop. and Then you're going to continue, right, with ten days of experience of tapping into your inner vitality. And it's going to be such a more powerful, balanced way of living. Because the thing about slingshot binge eating, the thing about overeating, the thing about all of this symptom of imbalance that so many humans face today, I say that every human being on earth today has an eating disorder. Not only the ones with anorexia or bulimia, we all have complicated relationships with eating. Because in our reptile brain, we're programmed to make sure that whenever there's calories available, we have to eat them as much as we can so we can survive. But remember, feast and famine, famine's never going to come anymore, but we're still programmed the same way. And so balance really starts in understanding, and a lot of the health work I do is helping people take knowing what's healthy from here in the brain to down here in the body and in the heart. And when you can truly understand what feels good from here, there's no denying. There's no slingshotting. Yeah? There's no going back because you feel the effect on the body. And essentially, over time, you start to weigh out the benefits. And when you know how it feels to feel good, you simply wouldn't want to feel any other way. Right? The Oreos aren't worth it. Yeah? All right, so that's just a little side note. I think I commented, hopefully, on the two parts of your question about finding balance in terms of uh, easing in and easing out with your body, and then also in terms of any imbalance in the brain, like binge eating and things like that. When we understand what makes us feel good, really understand, that we can overcome any imbalance in the mind. I've, I've seen tons of clients who had eating disorders. And on day seven or whatever, six, five of the fast, they'll be like, wow, I have found peace with this eating disorder. Right? And I still talk to them months, years later. And they're like, you know what, I'm happier than I've ever been because I know what it's like to feel good. And so if I can leave you with any kind of question tonight or any kind of thing to perplex or think about in your mind, what is it for you to feel good? Do you know what it's like to feel good, to truly feel good? Not that instantaneous good where you've had some sugar, you've had some chocolate, or you've had some coffee, you've had another chemical input into the body. But actually, from inside to feel good, because that's where our power lies. All right. Any other questions? Yes. Sir. What's your opinion on probiotics? Mm. I love that you asked. What's my opinion? Yes. What's, your opinion? Opinion. What's your opinion on probiotics? What do I think about probiotics? So first, we have to make sure everyone understands what probiotics are. All right. So in Latin, pro means for or good. Yeah. Bio or biotic means living, In this case, we're talking about good living bacteria that's present throughout the body, most specifically in the intestinal tract. That's assuming what you're asking about. That's fair to assume. And so she's asking about the modern human's plight where we tend to be really imbalanced in terms of our bacterial load. My opinion on it is that first and foremost, this is uh, at, Root of many of our maladies This gross imbalance In good and bad bacteria Is what is Partially causing a lot of our Constipation, a lot of our frustration A lot of our bad attitudes In the world today Okay. And so first and foremost To answer your question, I'll say that I think Everyone should have more probiotics Yeah All right? So probiotics, these good bacteria They're In kind of polar opposition to bad bacteria, alright, and bad bacteria are things that make you sick, right, you might have had Bally Belly, anyone, Bally Belly, Montezuma's Revenge, Deli Belly, right, every country around the world has its own name for this traveler's diarrhea, right, and this is just your body simply trying to get rid of any kind of bacteria that it doesn't like, and mind you, that's a message, from your body, if your body is spitting something out, literally spitting through your bum hole, you best not take something in. Because if it's trying to spit it out, it's doing a job. It's working really hard to do the job. If you give it more to process while it's doing the job, guess what, it's just gonna spit harder. Yeah? So I have girls who come in here and they're like, oh, I've had belly belly for two weeks, it's horrible. What should I do? And I'm like, poor baby, right? Two weeks of diarrhea, goodness me. It takes like 16 hours of not putting anything in to allow your body to stop spitting. Magic. Magic. So if you get that message from your body where it's spitting, my invitation to you is to stop putting anything in until the spitting stops. Yeah? But that's tangent. Back to your question. The reason that we're so super imbalanced, in bad bacteria today is because we've been overly exposed to this wonderful chemical invention called antibiotics. Yeah, who in their life has taken antibiotics? I have, in fact, in the United States, when I was much younger, I was prescribed on them every day for five years straight. So it's taken me a long time and lots of probiotics to start to balance things out again, But it's not only the pills that we're exposed to in terms of antibiotics, we're also exposed to antibiotics massively through any kind of animal product that you're taking in, right? Chickens in cages, of course, tons of antibiotics injected. Farming of cows, right, for their milk, right, or for their meat, injected with antibiotics so that the 200 cows in a room this big, maybe 300, right, maybe even 400, yeah, probably. That's factory farming. If you don't know about it, I encourage you to look it up because every time you go to a restaurant, likely that's the kind of cow that you're... Encouraging, right? anyway. So that cow is being injected tons with antibiotics. Okay. Moreover, there are antibiotics and pesticides sprayed on crops. Right? They're all throughout the air. Right? When the stewardess comes through the aisles and sprays that spray in that airplane that you're forced to breathe in, I think this should be so illegal. You better bet that that's antibacterial. Right? Antibacterial hand soap. That little gel that you can put all over. You better bet that that's killing all of the good bacteria that it makes contact with, and if it goes inside and runs through the fluids in your body, it's going farther than just where it was contacted, yeah? So that's just a starting point for the tremendous amount of antibiotic that we're exposed to that has led us to this great imbalance. Also, today, we are so overly sanitized that we're not exposed to good bacteria anymore. Right? We don't have dirt under our fingernails, yeah? We're not touching the natural environment so much anymore because everything is clean and sanitized and polished, right? And because of this, we're further imbalanced in terms of our bacterial regimen. And so, in, in order to balance, one of the best things we can do is take in good bacteria. All right? And the most common way that people do this today is through pills made in the laboratory. And most of them are lactose-based, they're milk-based, and it's some kind of culture, if it's bifidus, right? if it's lactobacillus, if it's acidophilus. Right? These are different strains of good bacteria, and so many of them exist. Millions, right? maybe even trillions, or what's after trillions? Gazillions! <laughs> okay? And so these, however, are made in laboratory, so they're even kind of sterile and isolated in themselves. There's no guarantee that your body will actually understand that. So the test, mind you, to see if a probiotic is absorbed or understood by your body is to actually see that after you take it, do you poop within an hour or two? Do you feel something happening down here? This is your real test. My favorite form of probiotics is actually food-based probiotics. So there's a really cool book called Wild Fermentation. You guys can look it up. It goes through all of the different cultures throughout the world and looks at what their form of fermented food is. So we have things from like buried fermented swordfish in Iceland, right? to kimchi in Korea, right? to miso in Japan. Or here in Indonesia, we have this really cool thing called tape. You might not find it too much, but I encourage you to look for it. It's cassava, tapioca, that's been fermented. And actually, tapé is the source of most vitamin B12 injections in the world, So we start to see a big relationship between probiotics and vitamin B12, but that's a whole other lecture, so I'll just finish answering your question. I think that probiotics are a wonderful, necessary addition to everyone's diet living on earth today in order to balance out the grave imbalances that we face, okay? And so again, my favorite is food-based. They can also be liquid-based. We have something here in the cafe called Kefir Life. They're little green bottles. Probably one of the most powerful probiotic strains alive on Earth today. It's my friend who owns the company, so I'm plugging for him, but for a reason. This guy has carried this live-active water kefir grain culture with him to like 20 different countries. And he's made fermented food or drink with that culture in all of those different local environments. And when you make something living and fermented, it's collecting good bacteria from that local environment. Right? And that good bacteria from that environment is going to immunize you against the bad bacteria from that environment. And so that stuff, not because it's made just up the street, it not only has the good bacteria from Indonesia, from Ubud, from this area, right? but it also has the good bacteria from like 20 or more other countries. So try it out. A lot of people think it tastes like champagne. <laughs> try it out. Kombucha is another variety of this fermented beverage. Right? They go on and on and on. Start to do more research. Making raw cultured vegetables is one of the easiest things that you guys could ever do. And one of the most accessible things. Essentially, ready for the recipe? It's like a second long. Right? You take vegetables, whatever you want. Carrots, beets, spinach, whatever you want. All right? Cut some of it up into pieces. Right, maybe cabbage, cabbage, sauerkraut, that's the European version. Right? And then what you're going to do is take some of it, blend it with water, this is what's called a brine. Take the rest of it and you're going to start to put it in a glass, sealable, closable container. Layer of cut up vegetables, layer of brine. Layer of cut up vegetables, layer of that liquid brine. Right. And then you're going to start to pack it down so the liquid fills it and there's no room for air. Right, and then at the top, put something kind of squishy, like roll up cabbage into a log. Put it at the top, seal it off. Put it in a dark colored bag so that light's not accessing it, and then store it in a warm place. Depending upon where you are, it might take a week, might take a month, just leave it there. That's all you have to do. When you come back to it, you better bet you have a wonderful, sour, living, bacterially friendly mix that you can have with lunch and dinner and breakfast. And if any of you are eating animal flesh, meat, it's actually necessary for you to eat it with fermented or cultured vegetables to even begin to comprehend digesting those kind of complex amino acid chains, yeah? So, yeah, I mean, I could go on. We can, if you want to come back next week, we can talk all about probiotics. Um, Key for Life also makes coconut yogurt, which is like the most divine thing on earth. Um, and it is the most effective probiotic that I've ever tasted. Yeah, I have a little puppy dog who was very sick. I mean, she was a Bali street dog, and I healed her with a bunch of different things, and one of them was this yogurt, right? I was feeding my little Bali street dog really expensive cultured yogurt, right? But all of these things you can make at home, culturing food, making kombucha, that was how I learned about capitalism, right? You start with one, the next week you have two, the next week you have four, right? The next week you have eight. It was amazing, right? So try that out. This stuff can be so super rewarding, So abundant and it can really build community with you and your friends and all those people you love. So yeah, that was my 10 minute lecture on on probiotics. Does that express my opinion? Yeah. Okay,
0: cool. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vitality Podcast. Please click over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to spread this work with the world. You have a part in transforming humanity's health. Keep enjoying this free resource and make sure to give back by sharing, subscribing, and checking out all of Andrea's work at liveforvitality.com, where you can find links to Instagram and other social media. Andrea also gives astrology readings, holds online fasting retreats, and teaches detox courses and advanced yoga teacher trainings. So come to liveforvitality.com and let Andrea transform your life now.